Praise God. Praise God. Father, we are interested in you today. We come to not only fellowship with one another, but we come to hear from you. And God, we're asking you today, with no exceptions, rend the heavens and come down and be amongst your people. Move up and down every aisle, every circumstance, every situation. Change it. Destroy the works of the enemy. And bring your glory to this place. Come on, just worship Him for a moment and welcome Him in the house. We can't do anything separate from you, God. We thank you, Jesus. What you did on the cross was enough. But we also thank you that you saw fit that we needed the Holy Spirit to come and help us. So Holy Spirit, come. Take your place. Have your way. And so we can give God the glory. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Don't we have an awesome pastor? Amen. It's an honor to stand here not only for because pastors allowed me to do so by hearing the word of the Lord, but also thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm in a major transition in my life right now where the Lord is starting to move me out, uh, not leaving the church, but move me out into more evangelistic ministry, more teaching, uh, more raising up marriage counselors and ministries. So you might not see me as often in the church, but no, I'm still part of you. Amen. My wife and I have uh, committed to this church. We will continue to show our support. We'll continue to show our tithes and offerings. I will say this uh, before I get started this morning, and I pray you'll hear my heart. Don't ever be disconnected from a body. Listen to me again. Don't ever be disconnected from a body because, saints, you need us just as much as we need you, and together we can make a difference. Amen. One of the things that I struggle with as a minister um, for all these years is to see a lot of people that leave the church and become lone rangers out there in a system that is already destroying too many. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 10, verse 26, not to forsake the gathering of ourselves as some have, especially as the day draws near. So don't stay apart and don't stay alone because we need each other. Amen? Hallelujah. Why don't you watch this video for a moment and then I'll come back and talk to you a little bit. Are you ready? As you noticed, the majority went, but there were still some left behind. And I'm very saddened to see anyone left behind. As I was praying, as Pastor and I had talked about doing this message, I didn't know he was going to be teaching on end times. I didn't know Christy was going to be sharing what she shared Wednesday night, but i got to tell you, God is up to something. Four weeks ago, I was standing in a congregation and I heard the Spirit of the Lord speak to me so plain and so audibly that it shook my foundation. And here's what the Holy Spirit said. He's coming. And I said to myself, I know, Lord. He goes, no, you don't understand. You don't have one opportunity to let someone pass you by because that person may not make it I'm coming quickly occupy till I come I just fell on my face and cried and asked him to forgive me for those I have allowed to pass by but then I began to listen to the body of Christ as I traveled, and I kept hearing things that really disturbed me. 
really disturbed my spirit. Some saying, oh, I wished I could be more evangelistic and respond when somebody goes by. Or I, I wish that you know, I could teach or I could preach or I could do this or I could do that. And then I started hearing those saying, why aren't we really seeing God the way we should? Why aren't we experiencing Him in the fullness of His glory? We are in the last days. Why aren't we seeing the miracles, the signs and the wonders? Why aren't we seeing the gifts of the Spirit? Why aren't we experiencing God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth? Has anybody asked those questions? Come on, let's get real here this morning because I want you to know you're not alone. Come on, are you alone? am I alone? Am I the only one that has questioned these things? I have friends that travel all over the world and they go over around the world and they say that they see eyes coming back into children's heads in their eye sockets. And what's amazing is in this little black boy, the story with uh, Brother Mahoney said this, he said, one eye was brown and the other eye was blue. And he said, God, why did you do a brown eye and why did you do a blue eye? And he said, so that I would get the glory. He said, one day, one day all of the different denominations that were cults came up and said that, that they wanted him to heal this little boy. And he said, look, he said, if your God can heal this boy, then we'll serve your God. But if my God heals this boy, you need to serve him. I'll never forget the story. They prayed, they danced, they cut themselves, they did all sorts of religious stuff, and nothing happened. And finally, James stood up, and he said, God of the heavens, the creator of all things. I call upon the name, and he said, Jesus. And all of a sudden, this boy that had no arms and no legs began to shoot out of his body like a new birth that came forth. Come on, we're talking about God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Nothing is impossible for him. He said, as those arms came out, the strength of the Lord came upon him, and he began to walk, and he began to glorify God. See, miracles are going on around the world, everywhere. But see, in America, it's not going on. Why is that? I really believe it's because we're not coming up to the level God wants us. We're not arising to the place that God's called us into. He desires you. Not in your works. Not in your abilities. Not in your capabilities. Not in your eloquent speech. Not in your classy stance. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter what ethnic group you're part of. All God wants from you is you. Is you. He doesn't want anything else. He knows that your abilities isn't enough. He knows that, that you're not smart enough. He knows that you're not capable. That's why He called you. That's why He chose you. That's why He selected you to confound the world to His goodness. But we get so busy. We get so caught up in life and caught up in our circumstances and caught up in our problems and caught up in the situations that we face that we lose sight of Him. We rely upon old sermons to catch us away. We rely upon old uh, revelations that we've had to carry us through. We rely upon books. We rely upon old revivals. We rely upon all these things. And yes, they were all good. But there is no one better but Him. There is no one that can speak like Him. There is no one that can do like Him. I don't care how great the revival was. See, without God, it won't happen. And without you, He ain't going to do it. Are you hearing me this morning? I have a message from the Lord today to you. It's a prophetic word, and I believe it's very true. Isaiah chapter 60 in verse 1 and 2, Isaiah begins to speak about an end-time understanding about the last days. How many know we are in the last days? And Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2 says, to arise, to come up higher, 
to get out of the elementary low-life thinking, to get out of the circumstances of the troubles and the tribulations and the problems that you're going through and come up to a higher plane so that He can not only get you out, but carry you through. Arise. Say that with me. Arise. Speak to yourself and say, I need to arise. Because the Bible says, arise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord? If you don't today, you need to know Him. But I'm telling you, saints, if you're saved and you know the Lord, it's time to come up. It's time to shine. It's time to make a difference. It's time to believe God. It's time to do the supernatural. It's time to believe God for greater things. For He says in verse 2, For behold, gross darkness, in one translation, shall cover the earth. Do you know that in the last days, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 says we're going to have critical times, savage times, ungodly times, that people are going to be self-assuming, haughty, puffed up with pride, no natural affections, lovers of self rather than lovers of God. And he tells us from such, turn away! Turn away! Don't continue to run with that group. Don't continue to run with those that are doing these things. Turn away and come to Him. Arise, come up higher, because you're not going to be able to do anything for them if you don't. See, it isn't that God wants them to die and be destroyed. It isn't that God wants you to be better than them. It's God saying, come up, because i got something I can speak to you that'll change that situation, that'll change that circumstance. I'll begin to speak to you so clearly that it'll be like Adam back in the beginning when he walked with God. Do you think that Adam had a problem hearing from God? He walked in glory. He named all the animals. I don't think he said, well, let's see, giraffe, dog, dog, giraffe. I think he knew the difference. I think he knew that when he named all of the animals, he knew exactly what to name them because he walked with God. He talked with God. And saints, there's a day coming that the Bible tells us, just like Enoch, the Bible says he walked with God and pleased God. And God took him. Are you pleasing God? To the point that God says, I can't stand it any longer. i got to take you out. I truly don't believe the church is ready yet. As much as I would like to hear the trumpet, the last feast fulfilled, I don't know if the church is ready. As I began to really seek the Lord in this message, one of the situations happened with me, warfare began. Scripture says in Hebrews that once you get illuminated with the knowledge or the understanding of God, get ready for some struggle. Come on, saints. We're not going to be living in the last days of light. We're not going to be living in the last days of great things. The Bible says we're going to be living in the last days of gross, darkness, critical times, hard to deal with. And if you think that you're going to walk through this thing without some bruises and some scars and some disappointments, come on, saints, you're fooling yourself because you're sitting around going, why, God? How come, God? How come you're not moving, God, when God is using that for your good to help others come to Him? This week, I tell you, it was H-E double toothpicks. Every day there was a battle. Every day there was a warfare. Every day there was something in my face. Every day there was a problem. Every day there was an oppression. And then all of a sudden, right before I'm getting ready to come, my wife has many strokes. She's good. She sends her love, sends her blessings. I think she's up really basically in Freeman Spa enjoying the view. she's well, she's doing good because God has got His hand upon her. But it doesn't 
mean that the struggle's not there. It doesn't mean like last night when I tried to go to bed I couldn't sleep because this sickness began to oppress me. And I said, God, this is not of you. I've got to come up higher. I can't let this thing keep me down. Oh, you don't know how many times through the night my mind goes, I want to quit. I'll just call pastor. We'll just figure out some other way to do this. Saints, God doesn't want somebody else to do it. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you to get connected with Him. I don't even know if I'm going to use my notes or scriptures today, guys. I am so burdened that the body of Christ isn't in the place that it needs to be. I'm so burdened that we're going through all of these things, we're doing great things, we're, we're, we're praying, we're, we're reading the Word, we're believing the Word, we're, we're getting on our faces, we're, we're, we're fasting, we're praying, but something's wrong because things aren't changing. You see one here and one there, praise God, come on, praise God for that. But how about when Jesus walked in the room and they were all healed? What about that kind of glory? Did he not say greater things you will do than even he has done? Did he not say that it's imperative that I go away and send you a helper called the Holy Ghost to help you in this time that you're living in? The power of heaven on earth for you. God the creator that created the heavens and the earth that's had the Holy Spirit hover over the face of darkness, gross darkness, darkness that was so dark that you couldn't even see anything in it. And then all of a sudden, God spoke the Word. But you know, the Word is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's power came to the scene and created light. And the Bible says, and light became. And I've got to tell you something about that Word. It's still going on today because you still see it outside because when he said light, it means light, 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 light. It doesn't change because God doesn't change. When he said it, it settled it and it's going to keep going until God brings an end to it. Isaiah says that his word does not return void but accomplishes that in which it's been sent. God's going to fulfill his promise. But if you don't get it in your mind and get it in your heart that in these last days, in this gross darkness, there's going to be trials and there's going to be tribulations and you're going to have to know how to go through it. You're going to have to know how to see above it. You're going to have to know how to, to work around the adversities that are coming. Come on, finances are failing all over the place. Kids are gone wayward. Marriages are broken. Jobs are being lost. Cancer is running rampant. Strokes are running rampant. Families are on drugs. Our children are becoming gay. They're having abortions. They're being destroyed. The Bible says that the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But thank God he didn't stop there. He said, I came to give life more abundantly. So see, we should be stepping into that abundant, not because our circumstances doesn't show it, not because we're not maybe going through something, it's because that's what he's called us into. But you ask, how do we get there when we're in it? How do we go beyond this darkness and become the light for God? The Bible says that, you know, gross darkness is going to come. Think about this for a moment. But the glory is going to come upon the earth. The brightness of God is going to be seen in the land. Now, if you think about at night, and I sat out last night because I was up quite a bit, and I sat out on my front porch and I looked up at the black canvas, and every once in a while I'd see a light, and I'd see another light, and I'd see another light. And God says that's how it's going to be in the last days for those who will come up above their circumstances. They're going to be light in a dark place. Did he not say that we're not supposed to hide ourselves under a basket, but we're supposed to allow our light to shine? Isn't he calling us up to a higher dimension? Not just do your job, pay your bills, live your life, and hope escapism becomes your, your way out. See, we're not supposed to escape 
we're supposed to occupy until he comes. And saints, I've got to tell you, I've laid hands on the sick and seen their eyes open. I've laid hands on deaf ears and they're still hearing today. I've laid my hands on people, and let me tell you, it's God. I've laid my hands on a woman that was getting ready to have heart surgery. They decided to check her one more time before they did it and found out she didn't need it. Come on. My wife was laying in the hospital one time, totally paralyzed on one side, and I tell you what I did. I just began to pray. I began to seek God, and all of a sudden, the fire of God showed up, and she rose up out of that bed, even to astound the doctor, saying, this just can't be so. Come on, we serve a mighty, miraculous God that loves us and that loves every man, woman, and child that desires none to perish and want to show himself mightily in behalf of all who will come to him. He doesn't want to leave anybody out. Amen? Do you? Oh, I know. There's some I just think, there's no hope for them. They're never going to change. But saints, if you look back into your little toolbox and your little life experiences, you'll find out you were one of those one day too. Come on. If He can change you, He can change them. If He can bring them out, come on, because He brought you out, this battle is going to get intense. And are you ready for it? you've been preparing for it the title of the sermon is to arise and to come higher the question is though between what you saw on that rapture experience and where you're at right now is how do you get there how do you get there when all these trials and tribulations are in your life how do you get there when all these circumstances aren't working the way God says they're supposed to work? You've rebuked, you've prayed, you've sought God and still face the same situation. How do you get there? I want to tell you that. How do you get there? You get there like Adam got there when he first had intimacy with God. And what happened to Adam is happening to the body of Christ today. They turned and decided they could do it without Him. They got busy doing what they do, paying their bills, doing their jobs, going to their little Sunday schools, going to their Wednesday night classes, and then going home and living like the world. No intimacy, no fellowship, other than what the church is able to give them. So churches have actually become a social ground for gatherings instead of a social ground for Him. Bringing Him back into the house. Letting Him be God over it all. Are you hearing me this morning? What is it that He really wants? He wants intimacy with you. Do you remember in the Old Testament book of Exodus, I believe it is chapter 3, we see a man by the name of Moses, first of all, that was in the palace for 40 years, had everything he could possibly imagine. But there was something on the inside of him that said it wasn't enough. To the point that when he began to investigate that because he was a, a Hebrew, there must be a God of the Hebrews and I must get to know him. Of course, in his frustration, he killed a man. He was sent out for another 40 years in the back plains of Hebron where he sat under a man by the name of Jethro to learn more about this God. But see, all he could learn was what he heard from what somebody else had to say. But he needed something more than what man had to say. He had to experience it for himself. The Bible says that when he was up on the mountain, on Mount Heb Horeb, while he's up there, He's, he's tending to the sheep and all of a sudden he notices that there's a bush that's on fire and it's not burning. The fire is there but the bush is not being consumed. But all of a sudden when he saw it, he began to ponder upon it and the Bible says when he turned again. See my hope today is you're going to turn again. 
You're going to turn back to God again. You're going to turn back to intimacy again. Why? Because when he turned again, God exposed himself so that Moses could experience the creator of the heavens and the earth. Isn't that what we need today? We need to experience God again. We don't just need to hear about Him. We don't need to read about Him. We don't just need to quote some scriptures. We need to experience God. We need to get back in fellowship with Him. I mean, no, it's in Him we live. We move. And we have our being. There's no one like God that can sustain you in this world. Amen? He wants you to take your place in dominion. He tells us that in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. But the most, most awesome thing that He wants more than anything like that is intimate fellowship with you. I love that word, into, intimacy. It means into me, see? Into me, see? That's what God wants from you. That's what God wants from me. Let me tell you, last night I spent a lot of time with God. It was awesome. Two days ago, I tried to spend some time with God, but I was so upset and so mad over my circumstances that when I tried, I couldn't get anywhere. All I could think was my thoughts, my circumstances, my justifications, why they did this and why they did that and why I responded this way. And I know it wasn't right, but... God began to deal with me, and I said, God, how do I get back to you? Come on, that's what we should be asking today. God, how do we get back to you? How do we come back where you are? How do we come back into that place that you're at? Because it's in that place you'll find everything. Jesus knew that the only way he could have a sustained life on earth, knowing what he had to go through. See, saints, Jesus had to go through stuff. And the Bible tells us just as he suffered, you're going to suffer also. So don't think it's strange because you suffer. Just know that you're in a process to do something great for God. Jesus knew that. And in his process of suffering, he was able to lay his life down so that you and I could come into a relationship with him. Paul says it this way. He said, I am the least of the least of all the saints. Why did he call himself the least? He says, because if it'll lead you to Christ, I'll be your bridge to get you there. If I have to lay on the floor and I have to be that bridge to get you over to the other side, it's worth it. How many is willing to lay their life down like that? How many is willing to have that kind of intimacy with God? Or you'll do whatever he says. I remember in Bulgaria, when I was in Bulgaria, we were ministering and they had dirt floors. And God called this gentleman out that was wearing, I mean, I don't know if it was an Amani suit, but I'm telling you what, he looked good. And I remember the minister looked at him and he says, He said, oh, I want God's glory so bad, I will do anything. The man of God said, lay down on the floor. He said, but don't you see? This is, this is a you know, $1,200 suit. You want me to lay on the floor? Do you want his glory? Yeah, I want his glory, but look at this suit. And he says, that's up to you. If you want his glory, he said, lay down on the floor. So the man thought, okay. He laid down on the floor. About five minutes after he laid down on the floor, the man of God went back over there and said, now turn over. When he got up off that floor, he wasn't the same man that he was. He didn't know how to love his wife. He didn't know how to love his kids. He didn't know how to deal. He was a boss, had lots of money, treated everybody wrong. But he loved God. He just didn't know how to live for him. 
But when he surrendered, when he submitted himself to the, to the ways of God, when he come up off that floor, he knew how to love his wife. He knew how to love his kids. He knew how to be a proper boss. He, know how, he knew how to serve God the way he was supposed to serve God. I don't know about you, and I don't know what God's telling you, but how far will you go? What will you do to get a hold of God? God desires it more than you do. Uh, I heard a sermon, and I think it was Brother Mike that gave it to me, but the man preached on how God loves the weak things. How God is earnestly passionate in love with those things that are weak because it's His desire to touch that that isn't right. Are you passionately in love with the weak things, or are you enjoying your strengths, your abilities, your money, and the provisions that you have? Or are you willing to give them up? See, the Bible says if you're not willing to leave all this stuff, you're not worthy of following Him. You're not worthy of serving Him. See, this isn't a message of condemnation. This is a message to say, how much of God do you want? You can have as much as you want depending on how much you're willing to give. He already gave it all. He doesn't have to do this again. He's already given His Son. He's already made His promises. Are you hearing me this morning? We need, you need to be living out of a now preceding Word of God. You need to be living in that place where God is speaking as Isaiah said, arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. The glory's already here. The glory has already been given. He's just asking you to step in and take a part. You know, be the best greeter. Be the best server. Be the best usher. Be the best cleaner. Be the best whatever you're called to be. But do it to have a relationship with God, not to have a position by man. Everybody should be serving God at some capacity. In this church and outside this church. Your job isn't about your money. Your job isn't about your paycheck. Your job is about who can I lead to the Lord? Who can I bring to Christ? Who can I lift up? Who can I pray for? Who can I serve? Who can I see delivered today? When you see somebody not walking right, are you taking it to the Lord daily and making sure that they're having an opportunity to see God while you're there? Or are you just passing it off and saying, well, somebody else will have to deal with that? You are responsible forever where God plants you. And I love it, Pastor, because He's not going to judge us for our sin because if you made it there, the blood's already covered the sin, but He's going he's to judge you for the works that you did or did not do. We're in the end times. You ain't got time to let one soul pass you by. You got got time to allow these things in the world to keep you consumed when God's trying to consume you. God's got a purpose, and it isn't roller coaster Christianity. Oh, this is so much fun! Oh, oh, oh. You're good till you hit the curve. Think I'm gonna lose it. It's fun going up, oh, the excitement, but going down. Not a pretty picture. Roller coaster Christianity shouldn't even be in the house. You should be so stable in the things of God because you're seeking His face constantly in behalf of not only yourself and your family and your children, but those around you, those you love, and those who send to you. If you're walking in His presence and you're seeking Him with all your heart, don't you think God's going to want to speak to you about that? Moses experienced this burning bush. It was so powerful that it said between one and a half to three million people got delivered. Come on. That's a person that says, God, I've got to get a hold of you and find out what this is all about. But that wasn't enough. Later, after he delivered them out, because remember, in, the, in, the, in Egypt, one of the things that was asked every time that he, was, that he was talking to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go so they might go and serve him. Another translation is that they might go and worship him. Worship God. Serve God. Amen? 
you know the story, went up on the mountain, they polluted the land again, they came back down, thousands got killed, but there were those that said, we're going to turn to you. Will you be one of those today that will turn to him? Will you be one of those today that's willing to seek him like you've never sought him before? Come on, he's God, he's got it all. Put up that picture on the tabernacle. Old Testament tabernacle is a type and shadow of what we're supposed to be experiencing today. How many know Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says that through the blood of Jesus we can now enter into the Holy of Holies. Aren't you glad that you can go before God? But here's the problem. Many Christians, and the Lord really spoke this to me, are, are just walking into the Holy of Holies and say, here I am, God, bless me. Help me. Take care of my circumstances, God. When the reality is, Corinthians tells us the whole purpose of Him placing you as He pleases is so that you can help the weak and those that can't help themselves. He said, did He not say in Matthew 6.33 that if you will put me first, I will add all these other things unto you? Do you know you're lacking because you're not putting Him first? He's not a God that He should lie. Amen? We've got to get back a relationship with Him. As I began to ask the Lord, Lord, how do I get back to that place? How do I, because see, if we're going to talk about this stuff, it isn't just talking about all we're not doing. Let's talk about some stuff we can do. How many would agree with that? The scripture tells us in Psalms chapter 100 and verse number 4, and also I believe it is Revelation chapter 19, one of the things that God loves, and this in Revelation 19 is after the destruction of Babylon, this earthly system. He says that they came together in a multitude to worship me and to serve me with great sounds like mighty waters or rivers or thunders. What was going on? There was a praise going on. There was something about being in the presence of God and seeing all of this stuff come to an end that they were all praising Him. Come on, hallelujah, giving Him everything that He deserves for what He did. David says it this way in Psalms 100 verse 4. He says, enter into His courts or His gates with thanksgiving and enter into His courts with praise. The other day when I was going through this trial, a scripture came up to me and I said, okay, God, I'm going to thank you. 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 He says, you keep doing that, you're going to find out what's in your heart. So I began to thank him some more. And I began to thank him some more. And all of a sudden, all those thoughts came back. God, why is not this working? You said I can enter in your presence in thanksgiving. You know, I found out in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse number 47, the Bible, and now remember this, there's 14 blessings in Deuteronomy 28. There's 58 curses in Deuteronomy 28. And right in the middle of all of it, he says, the reason why these things have come upon you is because you've lost your joy and you've lost your gladness. You've lost your thanksgiving. You've just got accustomed to having everything that you wanted until things don't work, and then you complain about it. But he says, if you will get your thanksgiving back, you'll enter into the courts, and you'll begin to see me in a whole new light. As you enter into the courts from the east there, the first thing you come into is the altar of burnt offerings. And what's amazing is there were millions of sacrifices that were done there. How many know we've got one sacrifice? Come on, somebody ought to be shouting right now because there was one sacrifice. We don't need more sacrifices. But God said, when you come into that, that, that gate with thanksgiving, you enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. You begin to reflect on the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That way you're not taking it for granted. You want to know why people run around the church? They know what Jesus did. You want to know why they get excited and they jump up and down and they shout and they cry because they know who their Savior is. And they come in and all of a sudden you see the sacrifice which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you begin to reflect on all of that he went through when Peter betrayed him and 
uh, with, with saying uh, uh, that, that he would never turn away from him, but he said he's going to deny him three times, and Judas is going to give him a kiss and betray him, and the 600 or three to 600 guards that are really soldiers that know how to fight are going to come because they must have known he had some power. They're going to come and they're going to arrest him. And, you know, Peter's going to get upset and cut off a saturn ear, and Jesus has got the mindset of God says, nope, this can't happen. Puts it right back on. Why? Because he didn't see things from this perspective. He saw them from that perspective. You see him put a rope around his neck and walk him to his death, burial, and resurrection. And there's a lot we could talk about on that, but we don't have time. But don't forget what he did for you. He gave it all. He sacrificed it all so that you can have it all. The question is, are we willing to give our all? He said to pick up your cross and follow Him daily. Daily. It's an everyday job. It's an everyday relationship. And remember, He's not after your goods. He's not after how great you are. He's after a personal relationship like a husband and wife. You don't want to be apart. Imagine being apart from your spouse long enough to the point that they don't want to be a part of you anymore. So you have this sacrificial understanding of what Jesus did because you're thankful. Oh, I thank you, God. Come on, just thank Him right now. I thank you, God. You're my everything. You're my hope. Come on, can you do that this morning? Can you thank Him this morning? Or are you so encumbered by the circumstances of your life, you can't even get out of yourself? Come on. If you can't get out of yourself, you're never going to enter in to the voice of God, the presence of God. Thank Him right now all over the house. Raise your hands up and say, God, I thank you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. You are my everything, Jesus. I thank you. Then you begin to Go upward. Did you know when you're in Jerusalem? How are we doing on time, Pastor? Because I'm not watching a watch. Um, when I was in Jerusalem, one of the things I realized is the Dead Sea is at the lowest part of the earth. And when David and many other writers in the Old Testament spoke, let us go up to Jerusalem, they literally meant they were going up to meet with God. Did you know that if we're going to get out of this, we've got to come up a little bit? We've got to make room for Him, make a place for Him so we can experience Him. That's why I like war rooms so well. Made a place for God. And when you make a place for God, what happens is, as the bronze lever, you begin to reflect His Word. So no longer are your thoughts reeling in your head and your circumstances and your problems and your situations. You're going up and you're going to behold Jesus face to face and you're going to begin to experience what He knows, experience what He says, experience what He's done because He is the Word. He's the sustainer of your life. And when you begin to reflect the Word, you're in this praise moment. You're no longer thinking about your problems. You're no longer thinking about that circumstance. You're no longer thinking about that one that you're praying for. You're now face to face enjoying Him. And as you begin to enjoy Him, something begins to happen. All of that that you were burdened with, all of that that was weighting you down, all the cares of the world that you were so consumed by, all of a sudden go away. And you transcend into another realm of God. And in that realm, you begin to hear His voice, His thoughts, what He thinks. I'll tell you what happened the other day when I did that, and I entered in, and now you have to understand, I've been trying to do this for 25 years, and I keep going to a moment and then reflecting back and going to a moment and reflecting back. How many know what I'm talking about? So I'm going back and reflecting on this, and thinking about all the things that he's done and all the things that he's carried me through and it's been a lot. And I get into this praise and I realize that I'm getting to experience Jesus in a whole new way. Not just in thanking him and not just in praise of what he did for me, but now I'm beginning to hear not only his thoughts, but I'm transitioning into this place where I'm now beginning hear the thoughts of God. Did not Scripture say that Jesus didn't do anything but what His Father told Him or showed Him? So you got to get to a place where you're hearing from Daddy. 
you got to come up to a place because Daddy's got some stuff he wants to tell you about. He knows it all. Amen? What happens when you, when you get past that praise? You enter into this holy place where you begin to have communion with God and you begin to see the menorah which the Holy Spirit represents and then you begin to see that all of those prayers that you've been praying outside the gate, outside the court, haven't even been heard yet. Well, the Bible says that the altar of incense, according to Revelation, are the prayers of the saints. Well, if you can't even be thankful, if you can't even enter into His presence in praise, how do you ever expect to enter into a holy place of communion, Holy Spirit, and your prayers being answered by God? You see the importance of this process? It isn't that God wants you out. God wants you in. He made a way. He tore the veil. Man, the moment Jesus died said it was finished, the veil was rent from top to bottom so you could come in and have relationship with Him. He's made a way for you to come. The problem is, is how come you ain't been coming? Because when you come, you enter into that holy place. Not only does He begin to tell you about your prayers, instead of you asking about them, instead of asking about your concerns, He starts speaking about your concerns. Instead of wondering how this is going to happen, He begins to tell you how it's going to happen. Come on, somebody. It's a different way of living, and that's where He's calling us all into What's so beautiful about it all is that when you enter into that place, there's a place, see, I believe in the Old Testament, you know, when the priest went in once a year to the Holy of Holies, they couldn't walk through the curtain themselves. I believe that, and I, I've heard some scholars, and this may be true, maybe not, that when they were going to the Holy of Holies, they would actually bow and walk backwards because they were talking about meeting with God. And all of a sudden, there was this translation that happens where they found themselves on the other side of the veil in the presence of God. What an experience. Because what happens when you go on the other side of the veil, you step into the realms of glory. You step into the realms of the eternal. And in that realm is everything you could possibly imagine or even think according to every situation and circumstance that you face because He knows the end from the beginning. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the glory realm. I want to be in a place that I can see God making a difference in people's lives. I want to see people healed and delivered. I want to see the homosexuals freed. I want to see the alcoholics that's trying, they're coming to church, but they're still bound, set free. Come on. I want to see the drug addicts freed. I want to see the gays freed. I want to see those that think that unisex bathrooms are okay freed. Come on, somebody. There's some stuff going on that needs to change, and until you come up to that place, it ain't going to happen. It ain't in your goodness and your beauty that it's going to happen, but it's in His goodness and His beauty. Woo! Everything is subject to change in the presence of God. But what are you willing to give? What are you willing to do? Remember, the Bible says that gross darkness, carnality, critical times will be on the earth prior to the rapture. The question is, are you going to walk there? Or are you going to begin to seek Him like you've never sought Him? You know, turn off those TVs. Turn off those computers. Get off those phones. Come on, spend some time with God. Because one experience with God will cause you to want to go back again. Once you taste and see how good He is, where else can you go? My heart is broken this morning because I see so many that are confused and questioning and doubting and wondering. And Man, I'm seeing ministries falling away from God and walking away and people that I thought that would never divorce and people that I thought would never do this are doing things I never thought they would do. And you know why that is? Because they're not having intimacy with God. They've got a religion, they've got a process that they're in, but they don't have time with Him. It's time we get time with God. It's time we make a place for God. Because God says that the glory's here, we will shine. 
and the black canvas is being painted, the question is, will you be one of His stars? Will you be one of His lights? It isn't just for the pastor. It isn't just for the prophet, the evangelist. Come on. It isn't just for the apostle. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. I remember when, when uh, David Walker asked me to come over there to, to uh, do down in Bedford on the Prepare and Rich program. I was so honored because I could see the hunger in those who really wanted it. How I many know it's wonderful to be a part of people who want something? How much more do you think God gets excited when you want it? When you cry out for it. Because when Moses went up in Exodus chapter 34, listen to what happened here. Exodus 34 verse 1, he went to get instruction from God. Isn't that what we're doing? Not only have fellowship, but to hear from Him. Hear what He's saying. Hear His heart. Hear what He thinks. The second thing that happens when He, when he, when he went up, the Bible said in verse 2, He came up to the mountain. He went up to a place to where God was. Do you know God's right there where you're at if you're willing to come up higher than where you are? You don't have to go someplace else. You can just right now just start thanking Him. Right now you can start praising Him. Right now you might be able to even enter into worship and find yourself behind the veil where He is. He's just asking for you to take a place. Amen? As He came up to the mountain, the Bible tells Him He has to come up by Himself. You know, when you stand before God, it's going to be you and Him. It ain't going to be about pastor. It ain't going to be about me. It ain't going to be about your loved ones. It's going to be about you and him. God told me to tell you, quit waiting on everybody else. Take your place. Do your part. And God will show up for you. There's no respecter of persons. He'll show up for you. Are you wanting to show up? I guarantee you, you'll complain less. You'll be upset less about long sermons, short sermons, loud sermons, long praise, short praise, cold in the building, hot in the building. Somebody didn't look at me right. Somebody didn't shake my hand. Somebody didn't say something. I know they could have, but they just didn't. Why? Because that's a life down here that keeps you so consumed with the problems of the world and the darkness of this world. Check this out. Matthew says this. If you think that you're walking in light, but you're really walking in darkness, the Bible says how? Dark is that darkness. Say that again. If you think that you're walking in light, but you're really walking in darkness, how great is that darkness? If you're not spending time with God, you're in darkness. If you're not having fellowship with Him, you're in darkness. And you're wondering why He's not answering your prayers. Shoot, you haven't even gotten to the altar of incense just for Him to hear your prayers. You're too consumed by you. Is this helping anybody today? When he went up by himself at verse number 5 of chapter 34, the Bible said, the Lord descended and brought the goodness of God into that place. Whew. Remember what was going on with Moses at that time? The people were all rebellious. He went through all this stuff. He said, I don't know how much more of this I can handle anybody there. And finally he says, God, I can't go from this place unless you're glory goes before me. The Bible says that he took him, he put him in the cleft of the rock, showed him his backside, which many scholars believe that Moses was able to write from Adam's time to his time, because God showed him something. We know he wrote it. <laughs> Had to have been a moment that he got it. And that God passed him by, told him to go up on the mountain, don't bring anybody with you, go up by yourself. He began to show him his goodness, and all Moses knew how to do at that moment was worship. I guarantee you, when God's speaking to you, you ain't going to know anything else but worship. Because it's going to humble you so much that God, thus saith the Lord, thus saith God, said this. And if that wasn't enough, verse number 8 of the 34th chapter of the book of Exodus says, because he's had this experience, he went up by himself, he made a place for God, the goodness of God came upon him. He began to experience the instructions of God. The Bible says in that verse, check this out, you're going to like this. 
that he was able to come down and walk amongst the stiff-necked people and worship God. Saints, if you're coming to church because you're expecting somebody to change you, you just missed even coming. If you're coming to church to have an experience with God, you're in the right place. If you're coming to make a difference in the church, you're in the right place. If you come to impart something in the church, you're in the right place. If you come to criticize the church, put the church down, or, or make some negative comment about the church, I don't care at whatever level it is, shame on you, you'll never walk with God. Because you yourself are keeping you from Him. It's time to get right. And it's time to get back to a relationship with Him. Because when you're in relationship with Him, Jesus could be bitten, I'm sorry, hit, hit beaten, scourged, robes ro ripped off of Him with scabs, put on a cross naked, nailed to the cross, and do it without a word. How could He do it without a word? Because He wasn't concerned about all what you're saying. He was more concerned about what Daddy wanted done. I pray that you'll want to please God and do what Daddy wants done in your life. Amen? It's not about the signs and wonders. He does them. It's not about whether you get your blessing or whether you don't get your blessing, even though He does them. What is it all about? It's all about having fellowship with Him. The number one thing that He wants from every one of us. Intimacy. Into me, see? Because here's what the Scripture says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. They went out. They did these things in His name. And Jesus turned to them and said, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. What is he saying? They, they, they cast out devils. They healed the sick. They did all these things in his name. Why did he, why did he say he never knew them? That word knew is the word koinia. They never had intimacy with him. See, he has to honor his word despite you. Did he not say when the disciples came to him, and said, look, they're over there doing this thing in your name. He said, leave them alone. They're doing a good thing. There's a day God was going to deal with them. I'm not trying to bring a bummer to you today. I'm not trying to bring you down today. I'm trying to get you to understand we can come up higher as a people of God. We can come up to a place where God is. We can come in when we're in that crisis and that thing is weighing on us and our mind is going all over the place. Can you thank Him? Can you thank Him? Can you thank Him? Come on, can you thank Him right in the middle of it? Can you thank Him when you look at that child that's not right? Can you thank Him when you see that boss that's treating you wrong? Can you thank Him when that song praise isn't quite right? Can you thank Him when pastor's a little off or a little on? Come on, can you thank Him when those circumstances are going on? Can you thank Him when somebody else preaches and you don't like it? Come on, somebody. It's time you realize it's not about you. It's about God. It ain't always going to be right. It ain't always going to be perfect. We're in the last days. There's gross darkness coming on the earth. But the Bible said, and the glory has risen upon you. Upon you. And you, and you, and you, and you. There's no one that's exempt. The only one that is exempt is you that won't make time for him. God's for real. And I have to look at myself today and examine my heart to see how real I am. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'll continue to walk with God through it, but I'm going to continue to seek Him with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul. And the second one, the same way, I'm going to love you the way He loves me. I don't care what you do, what you say. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe for you. And guess what? I'm going to continue to see eyes open, ears unstopped, hearts mended. I'm going to see when I pray for people, there's moments where I'm going to see God in the midst. Why? 
because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And I believe everything He says because I'm sorry, but I've already experienced it. It's too late. You can't convince me otherwise. It's just the way it is. And I can tell you today that if you're sick, I can lay hands on you and God can do something great. If you got somebody in your household that's not right, I guarantee you God can do something great. Come on, there is nothing impossible for God. All you've got to do is have some time with Him. Hallelujah. And He'll work some stuff through you. I don't know what you're going through today, but I do know there's someone that wants to go through it with you. He loves you. He desires you. Habakkuk said that in the last days the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the water covers the sea. The weighty presence of Almighty God. He's here. Desires to show you whatever it is that you need, but your desire has to be beyond your need and be turned to Him. Can you imagine? Pastor keeps coming for a cup of sugar at my house. You know, one day I'm going to come go buy his own bag of sugar. Why? Because you don't want people using you, you want them to start doing it themselves, you want them to start taking responsibility. God is the same way. It's time you take your place and become responsible for your part. Amen. Is this helping anybody today? I think sometimes we need a good, serious, Holy Ghost encounter with God. I like what Pastor said the other day, real revival is when somebody comes in and starts calling you out. And it's about to happen because there's some seekers of God coming to the house. And they're going to start speaking. Put uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 up there. I think that'll be the last scripture that I'll use today. I love this passage. Another time to write that. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18? Or is that 1 Corinthians? Are you doing okay this morning? Is this helping you this morning? It's all about intimacy. Second Corinthians 3, verses 16 says, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholden as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Listen to this again. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Come on, the veil's being taken away this morning. Will you turn towards Him? Come on, why don't you stand to your feet right now? Let's turn towards the Lord. The veil's being taken away, and He's beginning to transform you from glory to glory. It's like... Malachi, chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible says one morning Malachi got up and went up on the mountain and it was pitch dark. And all of a sudden out of his mouth and pinning on the writings of Malachi said this, that the Son of Righteousness has come with healing in his wings. What's going on here? Malachi's seeing nothing but darkness, but he's looking off hallelujah, over the horizon, and all of a sudden the S-U-N begins to arise, and it pushes back the darkness like a veil, and it begins to open up that sun, that bright and morning star, that, 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 that light of God begins to shine that He spoke in the beginning. And He said that when the Son of Righteousness has come, He comes with healing in His wings. That means He puts a canopy over you. And he begins to fix what needs to be fixed. 
heal what needs to be healed. Because how many know where there's light, there is no darkness? Come on, somebody. You ought to give him some praise in the house today. Can you stand there today and just begin to thank him? And when you thank him, listen, thank you, Sean, to what's going on in your heart. Listen, are you struggling with your thanksgiving? Can you do it for a little bit and then all of a sudden you get consumed by time, you get consumed by other things? I can tell you what's going on. You're not giving your full attention to Him. And you're struggling in yourself. But when you can thank Him and it enters into, oh, I just want to praise you. I see what you've done for me. I see what you know how you went to the cross and I see how you died and how you rose again. And how, how now, hallelujah, I can, I can, through your blood and your sacrifice, I can enter into the presence of God. I'm going up. I'm, I'm going from this thankfulness to this praise. And as I go up, I begin to reflect your word and how good you are and the promises that you've given me. And as I go up, I begin to worship you because I'm no longer concerned about what I need to say or what I need to do. I'm more concerned about pleasing you. And as you worship him and you begin to please him, there's a transition where you'll step behind the veil, into the glory of God. And where the glory is at, there is no impossibilities for God. No impossibilities. And all you have to do is take your place. Find a spot daily. You'd say, God, it's going to be me and you. You want to see this church multiply when they hear that Jesus is in the house? You're not going to need to advertise. They're going to come. When they hear of souls being saved and they see that people are being healed and drug addicts are being delivered, they're going to want to come because they all want it. They just don't know how to get it. This is our time. This is our opportunity here at Christ Point or any other church across this land or world to say, God, I'll be the first one to say, I'm ready. Would you, who would be the first one to say and come forward, I'm ready. I'm ready to have intimacy with God. I'm ready to see the glory of God. Come on, who is it? Come on. Come on, who's going to be the first? Who's going to be the second? Come on, come on. Are you going to stay there? Are you going to stay where you're at? Are you going to stay doing what you've been doing? Are you going to stay allowing the enemy to destroy your life? Are you going to continue to do that? Or are you going to step out and make a difference? You have an opportunity. I'm not saying that you've not been there, but what I'm saying is, are you ready to take another step? Are you ready to go higher? Are you ready to believe God? Are you ready for a change? To hear your testimony of the months of freedom. That's a person that's been pushing to the presence of God. You want to know why some of them aren't coming out? They're not pressing. They're relying upon someone to touch them, someone to deliver them. And I'm not saying God won't use people, but i got to tell you, saints, God, first of all, wants to have a meeting with you. Just raise your hands right now. Just start thanking Him. Start praising Him. Just take a few minutes and let the glory come. Let the glory come.